Hey, uh, we are back. Joining us in the studio for the pub crawl this week is our very good friend, the marketing coordinator for the Rose Theater Brampton, and she does a bunch of other things as well, Sophia Stanitis. <laughs> hey, guys. It's not Stanitis. It's Stanitis. It's Stanitis. Dang it! <laughs> I said the other way, but uh, God, Tim said I was wrong. So. Why did I listen to him? Well, Stanitis makes more sense, but that's the one that sounds like a disease, remember? Yes. So, yeah. Stanitis. Yeah. Anyway, so Sophia from the Rose Theater is here. Just going to stay with that one. And Cheryl Weber, uh, she is the co-host and senior executive producer at 100, at least one, I don't know how to say that. That's the first time I've seen that. What is it? 100 Huntley Street. Hello, Cheryl Weber. You said my name wrong purposely, didn't you? You know what? I I almost went to buy a Weber barbecue, and then I realized they're way thinner than they used to be, and they're now made in Japan or China or whatever, and they're not made the way they are. I'm ashamed to have this name. Yes. Can you do something about that? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give them a call. I'm sure they'll do something. For some reason, I also thought it was the Mennonites from KW made the barbecues, because that's a big Mennonite (laughs) name, right? You're you're a Mennonite. I'm not a Mennonite, but a lot of my family do live in that area. All right. Sophia, what's going on at the Rose Theater Brampton? We just Tim and I were just there last week. Was it last week? Yes. Yeah. Had a little soiree and uh, yeah, we some big it. names except uh, Olivia Newton-John just canceled that tour. No, she didn't. She's still coming. Did you oh. say, no, she didn't? No, she didn't. <laughs> yeah. I'm bringing the sass today. I'm sorry, guys. Nice. It's Saturday. Good. <laughs> but she's still doing Rose Theater Brampton. She's still doing the Rose. Yeah. Yeah. So her show date with us has not been canceled. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's she's really a trooper. Good. She's still going to sing. Who else is awesome. there, Tim? I have a whole list here. I have Randy Bachman, Louis Anderson. Nice. I have Jan Arden, Tower of Power. Classic albums doing Zeppelin IV, Rush 2112, uh, Rumors by um, Fleetwood Mac, Roseanne Barr, Molly Wink. It, it just keeps Molly, going. Molly, Molly Wingwald. Wing- sorry. Molly Wingwald I was, Wing- I was, think- I was thinking of Molly as I said it and I got <laughs> distracted. And for theater people, there's Hairspray, Barefoot in the Park, Beauty and the Beast. For uh, us 80s kids, Glass Tiger and Kim Holy Mitchell cow. coming back. Pretty awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, we had our season reveal, uh, which is the night that you you boys came out yeah. to, and uh, that was just for subscribers and VIP guests and whatnot. Ooh. And we're already uh, over thirty percent sold on our season. So when we really? actually launch, yeah, when we actually launch our season to the public on June sixteenth, when everyone can actually buy tickets, yeah, um, yeah, you can. Uh, it's going to be sold out pretty Yeah, so you got to get those tickets real quick because they're going to sell it soon this year. Wow, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Cheryl, what's happening over there at 100 Huntley Street? It's been a while since I've uttered those words. I know, it has. We've missed you, Drew. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that you funny. know we love you. I know you do. Um, no, you've, you've got some host changes. You're on there a lot more. And, we do. Uh, We've got a new male host starting Monday. I can't tell you who it is, though, unfortunately. I'm Fabio? sworn to secrecy. Oh, Fabio would be great, wouldn't yeah. you? Sworn to secrecy. Oh, wait, it's you're actually. You. Is it you? Hold on. You're actually announcing a new male host? On Monday. Absolutely. Haven't you had uh, Kevin Curly Hair Pauls on yes, there? He's, he's been, been doing helping stuff, us out. He's Good great. He's been on your show, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was in here just not too long ago doing a pub crawl. That's right. There you go. Look at our worlds always collide. But lots of things are happening. Uh, I co-host the show, Maggie John. I think you've met her. Have you no. met her? Oh, you haven't. You should meet her. Why? You would like her. She's a good girl. Yeah? Absolutely. Okay. You know how you get along with those 100 Huntley Street people. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, you guys are funny. All right, listen, I, I, I don't want to rip you guys off time here because uh, we're a wee bit late. So let's get going on the first topic. Here we go, folks. Uh, are people being too hard on convicted serial killer Carla Homolka for volunteering at a Montreal Christian Academy where her kids attend? 
I mean, after all, it's a Christian school where they teach forgiveness. So would you be okay with Carla supervising your kids, Cheryl? If you had children, would you want her to supervise you? Would you have any issue whatsoever? No, I wouldn't let her supervise my kids. <gasps> You're supposed to be a forgiving 100 Huntley Street person. I know, but forgiveness and stupidity are not the same thing. So I can forgive her and I can show her grace, but that doesn't mean I put her in a position of responsibility over innocent vulnerable children. But uh, Mulcair has just said, uh, Mr. Thomas Mulcair, Mr. NDP beard guy, has said, uh, you know, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time we just, you know, forgive. And like, like that was long ago and she paid her dues. And Sophia, your take on this? I mean, I don't have children, but I'm kind of, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, I would say. I mean, there is sort of a, a, like a responsibility level there. If it was just sort of, I don't know, if she wanted to volunteer somewhere where there weren't young children so at the seniors home yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean i just wouldn't even in my opinion i just don't even think that she should be allowed to have sort of like i think just kind of go somewhere where no one knows you exist anymore and just be alone and live with your family and i know that's super harsh but at the end of the day i mean like there's so many there's so many uh discussions around whether she should even be out let alone like it's like, it's like the idea of a pedophile. You know, um, you can forgive a pedophile for what he's done. You can you can walk him through a journey of grace and all of that. But if you know that he has an inherent weakness, weakness toward children, then you don't you don't put him around children. Okay, basically. so is it splitting hairs by saying that he, uh, she, and Paul Bernardo didn't kill children; they killed teenage girls? Is that splitting hairs? Like, what if the girls were twenty five? Then is it okay for the, for her to hang out at the school? I think like murder is murder regardless of the age and at the end of the day like even if she wasn't directly related to the murders or somehow you know like it's, it's all sort of up in the air anyway right but at the end of the day like she I still don't think she should be allowed to be in sort of public presence with people even if it is sort of a long time ago kind of thing like you can't you're asking a lot of people to come that far for in terms of forgiveness and all right acceptance, I right? want to bring meathead in on this one so yet but by the grace of God go I oh, I'm in agreement with the ladies here Really? You're yes. a tree hugger. I thought you'd be all kumbaya <laughs> yeah, about Carla. No, I, I think, I think uh, Ms. Weber uh, definitely <laughs> said it best when um, she suggested that there's a difference between um, grace and stupidity. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I believe Carla Homolka truly got away with a lot more than um, she should have. And as but, a result, I... But is she, what if she's changed? What if she's different? I, I get that. I get that. No, we don't. None of us know. We don't know. No, don't I, know. I understand what you're saying, but like it's, we've said before, if if, if she has a, a, a weakness for what she had done, um, like a pedophile still may be, uh, I think there is a danger in that. Um, I, I just think there's there's something dangerous about having her around people. Okay, so what is the what is the real risk behind the grace in this scenario, right? What is the real risk? And because what we're saying is, well, she shouldn't be hanging out with the kids because she killed teenage girls. So what can she do? And what, what I'm hearing from a lot of media people, and even in this room, is she should be kind of like go away somewhere, go somewhere else and do stuff that doesn't involve human beings. Because you did horrific, evil, nasty things. You got away with it because you worked out a, a, a deal. You manipulated the system um, before the police found video evidence that she was more involved than originally suspected. Um, so is it the fact that she got away with it, that she really hasn't paid for it? Is it the fact that what she did was so horrific? I mean, at what point can we say to somebody, yeah, what you did was horrible, but, um, yeah, you can, you can be a human again. You can be a human again. I like, well, let, let's, let's do this. Sorry, I know I'm throwing a th uh, 17 things out here, but Cheryl, 
Are you okay with her living beside you? Yeah, probably. I probably am. Listen, the thing about Carla Hamalka is that she's never told her story. She's never shown that she's sorry. She's never done anything to society to say that, you know what, I'm going to make it right. And I have a very good friend. He was a drug-running, um, white supremacist gangster. And when he changed his life and he started volunteering with the community, started helping young people, he does everything he can to try to make it right. He, he has PSTD. He lives with the horror of what he's done. Is this bull? Yeah, Michael yeah. Bull Roberts. So yeah. you know him very well. And um, and every every day he's trying to make it right because he, he lives under such a huge cloud of guilt. And so when you look at Carla Hamalka's life, who's a little bit hostile, obviously, with the media, and I understand why. Um, she's never told a story. You don't see that, you know, that she's trying to make reparation. You don't see that. I'm trying to be good. And so, you know, what she did was so horrific. The, the reason the media is so hard on her is because they had to sit through her trial and they, they have PSTD from it. They have trauma from it. I, I read some things that I, I could never repeat that I didn't even know that human beings could do. Yeah. That, and, and a lot of the public doesn't know that. And so I think that's why people are like, how, when someone is that sick, if you're going to get better, there has to be some sign that you're better. Where's mm-hmm. the, you know, we don't know. We just don't know. Maybe she is, but we don't know because she's, she's hidden away, as you said, Sophia. I think it's just because you're, you're involving a community of people that aren't necessarily going to have like a unanimous sense of forgiveness. Like the, you know, if it's sort of a, an individual act where she wanted to have, you know, sort of a, a normal day at the park with her kids, you know, fine, that's, that's on you. But when you're trying to, you know, involve a grouping of people that don't have maybe like a, a full scope of, of forgiveness or even the capability to do so, I mean, you're asking a lot of people, like not everyone's going to have the same sort of sense as you might, Drew, right? And I think that's the difference is that, I mean, I, I know I just called you forgiving. I don't know. <laughs> but, I, you know, but what I'm saying is that it's because you're involving, I think, community in this and people's trust in someone that that's where it starts to get touchy as well. I mean, yeah. like, I'm not saying she's not entitled to live her life. I mean, she's out for, you know, to live it. But at, yeah. the, at the end of the day, you're just involving too many people here. Yeah, I just... I'm just going to say, I think she has never, ever, from what I understand, she's never sort of admitted to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key. Yeah, that's what that's Cheryl's talking that's about. Missing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's a part of me that has a, a weird soft spot in this scenario. And, and I wonder if it's, you know, female. Do I have the same soft spot for Paul Bernardo? I, it's. I remember when I was driving um, into a prison in Australia to do some chaplaincy visitation. I'm awesome. You're a criminal. I feel good about myself stuff. Um, I remember driving by the fence, the really, really tall fence with the barbed wire on it. And I was immediately hit with, given the right set of circumstances, I could be on the other side of this fence easily, easily. So I'm just really careful on this one. Um, And I think it's also because of the, the, the victim role that I've played in so many things. For example, even just last night, I was walking around downtown Orangeville. It's the Blues and Jazz Fest. And I ran into people, you know, the old church people that I used to hang out with, a couple of people. And man, did I get some nasty vibes from some people. Nasty, nasty vibes. And I'm, I was, I'm not projecting. I was just in a great headspace. But I'm tired of, of a society and, and especially the Christian society pronouncing judgment on people when it really does, it's not their business to do it, and and it's just the antithesis of what Jesus people are supposed to be about. So here, for me, this is the real litmus test of the rubber meeting the road when it comes to what is your faith really about. In wow, I'm going to actually quote scripture in a sort of. You're starting uh, to sound like me. Stop it. Uh, you know, Jesus said something like, "Look, it's pretty easy to love people that are easy to love." It's really hard to love those that are hard to love, and that's where this whole thing kind of comes in. So, would it be hard to 
love Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka, probably knowing the details of what they've done. But can we get past that with people? Can we? What are you laughing? You're smiling. Because it's a to- now you're asking a totally different question. Yeah, Loving somebody and giving them full access and responsibility to vulnerable people, two totally different things. Yeah, that's fair. So if you'd ask yeah. me, like, would you for- can you forgive her? Yeah, I could choose to forgive her. You know, do we have to love her? Yes, we absolutely have to love her. That's why I said she could live next door to me, and I would be kind to her. But all she was doing, seriously, all she was doing was she brought her dog into the class, and she was there with other people supervising the kids. She was never alone with the children, from what I understand. And even if she was alone with the children, I don't know. I'm, think, I'm just thinking this through. Thinking this through, how I would react. Would you let her be alone with your kids? Yeah, dude, I was nutso, psychotic, ultra protective, whack job parent back then. So now it's changing when it comes to your children. But hypothetically, other people's children are fine. Yeah, hold on, hold (laughs) on. I'm just thinking through. Anybody get the license plate (laughs) of that bus? (laughs) Yeah, where am I? I'm underneath the. It's kind of like, I think it's totally like this. If you're a pastor of a church uh, or the principal of a school and a, and a person who's been a pedophile all their life but is trying to change, yeah. you know, comes and they want, to, they want to volunteer in a group with your kids, but they may find a way to get someone alone. You just don't know, yeah. right? Yeah. Would you say yes? You, would, you could love that person. You could forgive them. You could, you could um, talk to them about grace and minister to them. But do you leave them alone with kids? No, that's stupidity. Right. And is the, is the bigger question not what was going on in the administration of the school? Because it is, is it not a law that says before you volunteer with the kids, you have to have a criminal record check? Yeah. How did they miss oh, yeah. that one? Yep. Yeah. Although she's been under some serious protective kind of stuff, right? So maybe yeah. change of name and all that sort of thing. She got married. Yeah. And she's well, not a dangerous offender either. And who's her? Who? who it's her made, lawyer's brother. No, who made kids with her? Her, her yeah. lawyer's brother is the person that she married. I know. So. Wow. I was I trying to research that. that and I ran out of time before. Man, really? <laughs> See, her lawyer's brother. Research. I'm glad Cheryl Weber's here. Uh, She's (laughs) co-host and senior executive producer at 100 Nutley Street. Wow. Interesting. So interesting. All right. Let's move on to the next topic here. Uh, Okay. Elizabeth, uh, what do you say? Wetlaufer? Wetlaufer. Let's ask the journalist. Yeah. Journalist? What is it? sounds good. I like that. Okay. (laughs) She is the former nurse who is being charged with murdering eight seniors and attempting to kill or assault six others. And she said that she reached out to her pastor for help to try and stop killing Wow, can you imagine that conversation? But it wasn't the pastor that informed the police about her. It was the staff at the psychiatric hospital. And actually, it wasn't until three days after she left the psychiatric hospital that they informed the police. So my question is really about the pastor. Should the pastor be arrested for the role that this pastor played in one of Ontario's worst serial killing sprees? Or should clergy be allowed to keep confessions a secret? Uh, and, And here's, I guess, a bit of a sidebar. Do you think that there were supernatural forces at work? She said that it was God or it could have been Satan that compelled her to murder, you know, either or. Or was it just mental illness? Um, Sophia, I don't know how much you know about this case, but can you imagine uh, the fact that these people would still possibly be alive if the pastor had just opened his uh, his yap? I'm assuming it's a he. Pardon me for being sexist, but I can't be bothered dancing around with the gender here. So 
Yeah. What do you I think? Mean, well, from what I read about the case, anyway, just like sort of like several articles, it wasn't just the pastor, but she told the psychiatrist, she told her friends, and yeah. she told a number of different people. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like all of them should be held equally accountable, not just the pastor. I think that it's sort of regardless of his position as a pastor or not, like I think everyone kind of has the same moral obligation to turn in a criminal. Well, appa- well we, do know. we know that? Uh, apparently, Tim and his legal knowledge says that the lawyer who was ad- advised that she was, you know, the murdering stuff, um, uh, the lawyer doesn't have to say anything. I, I believe that the lawyer, that, that's what happened, ironically, we just mentioned her a moment ago, Homolka. Like, the lawyer had proof that she was involved and kept it hidden. Right, and right. And he's never been judged for that. In fact, his brother married her. Right. right. I think that's part well, there. I mean, there's laws with that, too, like agency agreements and stuff. Like, they have to act for the best interest of their client, right? So, when I used to be one of those people... Uh, let me clarify that. A pastor. Serial killer, Drew Marshall. I used to be a serial killer. Confession time with the Drew Marshall show. I used to murder people with Captain Crunch. Serial killer. Come on. Okay. Really? You didn't get that? Sorry. No, I did not. Sorry. Honeycomb was more dangerous. So we were told that this was the rule. If the person was going to cause harm to themselves or harm to someone else, we had to report them. Uh, that was just the rule. Now, with uh, the Catholic uh, Church, I got an email from Dr. John Stackhouse who told me, Catholic priests represent the view that confession makes a material difference in the welfare of the soul. Without it, in fact, souls are in trouble, in peril, was the word he used. I don't use peril. Thus, the confidentiality of the confessional is absolute so that no one is afraid to confess their sins and receive absolution. Not so with the Protestants, at least most Protestants. And so the confidentiality of Protestant confession should be governed by similar common sense rules as is the confidentiality of medical and legal personnel. So basically, this is a bit of, it sounds like it's a grayish area, Mm -hmm. but I mean, come on, forget the rules. If someone says to you, I've been killing old people and I might do it again and I'd like to stop, what, you, really? You get your wife and you pray for them, you lay hands on them, you you give them a, a, a communion, I don't know, whatever, and you just pat them on the head? Cheryl, come on. So you want us to be nice to Carla Homonko, but you're like really hard on this pastor. <laughs> so like me, isn't it? <laughs> it so is. It's so like me. So, so I, you know, like it's hard to know what happened in that conversation, but it sounds like she said, "I, I, you know, these people were sick, and I sent them off into eternity, and I shouldn't have done it, and I'm so sorry." And he said, um, "Okay, you know, thank you for telling me, but if you do, if you if you do it again, if you, or you're going to do it again, yeah. then I'm going to call the police." Right. And then she stopped telling him anything, and then she started doing it again. But that's that's a goofy reaction. She has already murdered. Yes, but I have friends that I know have murdered people that have turned their lives around. I interview them all the time on the show, like ex-murderers, ex-gangsters, ex-drug runners. Have they served and time for it? Not for probably not for every crime. So, and I, I and it's Hold funny. On. You know people who have murdered and haven't com- and haven't sp- uh, done time. Probably not. I think mean, I don't know for sure, but I would. I don't want to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I would guess, like, and I've talked to their pastor to say, okay, so this guy, like, he served some time for some crimes, but he probably has now that he's turned his life around. What do you do as a pastor? Do you tell him he has to go now to serve yes. to serve time for every crime? Yes. 
So you yes, think so? I would do the same thing. What's if the it point was, of somebody who's trying to, you know, now impact the, the the community and do good? You can do that from behind the, the prison walls too. Their life you in can jail. Im- listen, if Charles Manson can get a big crowd to listen to him behind prison after all these years, you can do it behind the prison walls yeah, as well. Does this seem inconsistent to you? Like Carla hey. Hamalka, like only hey. spent twelve years, and there's all these other crimes she wasn't charged for, and you have mercy on there her, is and consistency. yet hold on, I'd like to hear your consistency. The, the consistency I do see is that you, with both cases, you are seeing the legal system as black or white, although maybe flawed, you're still seeing as black and white. Like Carla Mocha did her time, the time that was due upon her, and then she came out and now she's, you know, allowed, legally allowed to continue her life. And this situation means she should legally be going to jail and this guy should be legally accountable for the actions. Like, I do see it. I mean, I see the consistency there. Thank you. Maybe don't entirely agree with it. (laughs) However, I do see it. What I don't understand is three weeks, no, I said three days earlier, pardon me, three weeks after leaving the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto, where she willingly put herself because she was going nuts knowing she was potentially going to kill children if she went into her new pediatric position. Right. Three weeks after leaving this place, that's when they ratted her. That's when they arrested her. Yeah. So, no, hold on. I don't know whether what the timeline, when they ratted her, but she was arrested three weeks later. So... Who knows how long it took to build a case against her for in order for them to, to arrest her. But, man. So it's a failure of, of a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. Did they tell them right away and the police took their time and All messed right, that up? Let's or, personalize yeah. this. If somebody comes up to you and goes, hey, I've, I've killed a bunch of people and I'm worried I'll do it again. What do you do? Now, I, I'm, I'm going to go first. Okay. Because it's my show. Yep. Um, I would go, dude, that is not cool. And I'm glad you told me. And I will not leave your side through any of this process. But we got to You got to turn yourself in. We got to, and I'll good. I'll go with you, and we'll get you the best lawyer, and we'll do. You know, we'll take care of things as best as possible. But that's that's the way it is, man. You yeah. got to. It's it's now. And if you don't turn yourself in now, if we don't go now, then I phone the cops now. Yeah, yeah I mean, this it is a tough love. It's love, but it's a tough love. Okay, you go. No, I was Someone saying, says I mean, to you, what are you, you going to do, Sophia? I do the exact same thing. I mean, I might not be as like calm about it. be like, you killed people. Like, I am getting out of here. I mean, if it was a close friend, it might be a little bit different. But, I mean, this isn't Dexter. Like, I'm not going to, like, <laughs> be that sympathetic. At the end of the day, you're a murderer. <laughs> like, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it would be the same thing. You want the best for somebody, too. I mean, clearly she's mentally unill. Like, er, mentally ill, yeah. I should say. It's not, sure. you know, I think. All right. Uh, Cheryl? I think the dividing line is, did she say to the pastor, and I think I'm going to kill again? Or did she say, I did this and I feel terrible about it? And that's because he said, if you're going to do it again, we're going to the police, right? So Right. And that's where I get weirded out with your perspective on this. Because if she says, I have killed people. No, hold on. She comes up to you. You've got someone that comes up to you, <laughs> Cheryl. That's We were just doing that. We're personalizing it. And says, Cheryl, I want to let you know, I've killed six people. You're going to go, are you going to do it again? No. Do you pro- do you pinky swear? No. Okay. Well, the other thing, too, is, I mean, this whole concept of it, like, I mean, if we're even sort of debating about it being like, uh, I, I, sorry, I'm not even being articulate. But one of the one of the topics that <laughs> you right mentioned, show. I know, well, one of the things you mentioned was that, you know, these people were sick and she thought that she had almost like an obligation to do so. But in one of the articles I read, one of the first people she murdered was just recovering from hip surgery. Are you telling that me like that that man needed to be euthanized? Yeah. Like he was going to be fine. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not even a concept or a discussion about euthanasia at this point where maybe she thought she was doing a favor to these people. Like she just murdered outright. I think if she said she was going to do it again, I would call the police or do, you know, you had a great, I think your response was awesome. And I would 
I would hope that I would live up to Wait, what you would do. Wait, can you just do. say that again? I thought your response was awesome, Drew Marshall. Ladies and gentlemen, Cheryl Weber from we, 100 Hadley <laughs> Street. We have that on record. That should be one of our bumpers. <laughs> but but I'm just saying there's lots of people who have changed their life around, and they've spent time for some of their crimes, but perhaps they haven't confessed to all of them. And I don't know the value of going back and, and doing that. And I, I honestly, like, I genuinely don't know. I'm saying I, I genuinely th- don't know sure, at what I, point. I think there's a gradient scale here, and I'm, depending on what the stinking crime is. Seriously, if you like weenie crimes and then there's murder. Can we just say that? Come on. Seriously. Okay, can I just say I'd rather be murdered by this nurse than Carla Homolka any day when okay, I read you two win. murders? That's a good one. Yeah, there we go. yeah we're going to end it on that <laughs> one. Drop the mic. Very well said. Very well said. Actually, I do want to just touch base uh, on another thing on this. Do you think that there were supernatural forces at work? Because she said well, it was God or it was Satan, or is it just mental illness? Cheryl? Oh, man, I didn't want to answer this question. Yeah, what do you think? Well, okay, so I just want to start by saying that I think a lot of the time in the past, the church has confused mental illness with demonic stuff unfairly, and people haven't gotten the treatment. They've had a stigma. And who knows with this woman? Who knows if, even if what she's saying is true? But I spend a lot of time in other cultures around the world, and I see a lot of evil very uh like in in the forefront, where we don't see it here in this culture. What she described of these surges and the way that she had an evil laugh that came out of her right after they died and all of that could either be schizophrenia or I think it, it's evil. Like there could be something evil here, but I'm not qualified to no, judge that. No, but yeah. it certainly is creepy. Definitely. Well, just to sort of wrap that up because we've got to jump to our last topic here. Uh, one of my favorite books is M. Scott Peck, uh, People of the Lie. And that's a book where he discusses evil, and he's been in the mental health industry for forever. And um, so I was talking to him about the, the concept of uh, – not talking him, sorry. I was reading his book and, and uh, about this concept of evil and where it comes from. And that led into a conversation with an exorcist with a Catholic church uh, from L.A., and they both kind of land on the same page. The question that gets asked is, did they do this because of a mental illness or demonic oppression? And they they both say that the the question is is faulty. The, the question should be: Did they do this because of mental mental illness, or did they do this because of mental illness and demonic oppression? Mental illness is always always a part of this. Mm-hmm. Always, mm-hmm. there might be a chance. Now, this same exorcist also told me that is like five percent, or maybe it was even lower. People that get brought to him for exorcisms, it's not a demonic issue. This is the priest. This is the, the exorcist guy. He says it's a mental illness thing. Mm-hmm. Like 5% of them are, are are maybe demonic. Everyone else is like it's a mental illness mm-hmm. thing. So anyway. Okay. Got, wise. Got to get on to our last topic here real quick. And I don't know how much time we can spend on this one, uh, nor um, really how worth it. We can spend it. about five minutes on it. Thanks, Putin. <laughs> Tron- sweet pea. Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Kevin Pillar, or as one uh, American broadcaster said, Pillar, received a two-game suspension for using a, quote, homophobic slur during a recent game. And he also donated $7,000 to do two gay rights groups. So I saw the clip, and, uh, yeah, I mean, a certain age demographic, man, we used to say all sorts of stuff, and these days we can't say anything. Mm-hmm. There seems to be an extreme... Uh, I guess overreaction to things, but I'm wondering where this particular thing fits. Should do you support the Major League Baseball's uh, decision to punish him? What do you think, Sophia? I mean, he's famous because he's a baseball player, not because he's sort of a public figure that needs to always have a politically correct stand on everything. The MLB, yeah, they maybe have to be a little bit more correct in that. Like they're the ones who are responsible for their audience, the perception of the league, right? Right, right? So, I mean, I think that politically, yeah, they probably should have done something to appease the masses. I mean, that's homophobia's 
a bad not thing. just yeah i mean and it's also a very trendy like issue right now for people right like not that it's more or less like of it doesn't have any more or less weight than any other issue it's just one of those things that's like it's there so i mean i think that they had to do something for their own sort of reputation at the end of the day do i think it was necessarily that bad i mean comedians use that word like crazy and too we don't condemn them anymore that's yeah, interesting that's an interesting contrast right mm-hmm. there yeah and wow. they, their role is Never to speak that. right like that's yeah 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 tim uh, it needed to be done, and I'm glad that they did it. You're such a tree hugger. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, you're a gay hugger. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> and I don't have a problem with no, that. No, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, it needed to be done, and I'm glad that they did it. And I think his his move of, of donating money is, if we're going to go back to this whole thing of repentance and making things right, then that was a really good move. If it was to save his butt, that's one thing. But I, I think it, ultimately it was a good thing. I wish I'd written down the words that was said in his tweet or the the, the, the PR slant that people you know helped craft his words. It was like, I'm so sorry. I did the worst thing in the world, and and I'm an awful person. And people, it's like, dude, you had a reaction. You said a stupid word. Whatever. Cheryl, am I just being a goof on this no, one? No, I might be a little bit with you. I do think, you know, he shouldn't have said it. But I, I do know in sports, like, so I'm not a sports fan, so I don't know what these what the rules are with leagues and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But I do know a lot of trash talking is part of sports. Yeah. And, you know, you, that you get very heated and he said something stupid. And a lot of times I think we get punished by our own culture, by our own community, right? You say something stupid like that, the people around you get offended. And they, they teach you the lesson. I don't know if it's up to your boss to teach you the lesson and, unless you're saying it in a public way or from a microphone or a podium. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do agree that donating the money was a classy move, and but hopefully here, he meant it. Here's the thing, man. I, this is the deal I don't get. If someone uses the uh, uh, the F word, the gay F word, not the swearing F word. I don't even know what I can say these days. Um, <laughs> and, and I know people in the gay community, and they use it all the time. People use the N word. I know people, black people who use that word all the time. So if you really are offended, community of X community, by this word, then stop using it yourself. I don't understand that double standard. Well, they get to use it, and you don't get to use it because you mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. I think people are walking around waiting to be offended yeah. on behalf of someone else who really isn't offended. That's yeah. what I think. I mean, there's a number of words in our everyday language that people don't understand the origin of. And, I mean, they're throwing insults left, right, and center because people don't understand semantics. It's just a matter yeah. of what's, what's current and what people are currently you know up in arms about as well too and like I, I'm not I'm not defending him at all but I am saying that sometimes people I think don't understand context or don't understand you know humanity like, that's what I'm going to uh, go with and political uh, correctness yeah. is out of control I think we can yeah. all agree on that everyone like, does just until, until someone says something and offends you and then all of a sudden you're on, on the politically correct wagon yeah. I can say <sighs> as a broadcaster I'm always trying to learn what the appropriate thing is just to even talk to, to, about anybody yeah. you know well, every, every group yeah Sorry. Sorry, I'm looking I at was Tim. just going to say, Jesus was pretty good at, at taking care of people who are marginalized and mistreated and made sure that the idiots who are running the show got the brunt of his anger. And yeah. I think that what we're doing here is, is there is a marginalized people who... I'll just stop there because I'll just go on. Yes, you will. That's my point. You go, girl. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, that's the end of the show today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to the Drew Marshall Show. We'll have everything uh, posted on our website by the end of the week for your listening pleasure, drewmarshall.ca. And we'll be back next week. I think Brexy's here in studio with us next week. Well, I take a stand on justice.